All right, if you have your Bible, get it open to Jeremiah chapter 1. We are going to be there in just a little bit. We're going to be going through the book of Jeremiah for the next four weeks. So I'm really excited about this. Jeremiah's uh, a great uh, prophet to study. If you read through the entire book of Jeremiah, it gets kind of dry in between. So I think what happens is when we study it and we learn about it a little bit, uh, we can really know what Jeremiah is all about, That's that uh, book and that prophet. All right, so the bottom line up first in this very first week is this. If it is important to you, you will find a way. If it is important to you, you will find a way. If it's not important, you'll find an excuse. So if it's important, you'll find a way. If it's not important, you'll find an excuse. I, <laughs> I think we are amazing human beings. We have the capacity for so many excuses, right? I, I once knew a pastor who said, you know what I do, Tim? I, I use this, this phrase. I use this phrase all the time. And this phrase goes like this, I don't know. You know, pastor, pastor, can you help me with this? I, I'm not really quite sure how to do X, Y, and Z. I don't really know how to do that. Well, he may know a little bit. He may know just a slight bit. He may know a lot, but he says, I don't know. Now, why does he do this? Well, because he knows that he says, if he says, I know exactly how to do that, or I think I have an idea, then that task will be put onto him. Now, this sounds like a cop-out, but in, in reality, it's kind of a, a clever way of doing things because he's making excuses so he doesn't overburden himself. Now, there probably is a better way to do it, but I thought that was kind of interesting. Although, my favorite excuse, I found this one, uh, my favorite excuse is this. Um, when I got up this morning, I accidentally took two x and my Prozac. I, I can't get off the toilet, but I feel good about it. All right, maybe a dad joke, a little groaner right there. All right. We make excuses all the time, even if we know that what we're uh, supposed to do is the right thing or a good thing to do. For example, my wife and I have read the book uh, Younger Next Year, and it is a wonderful book. It's about how we can become younger um, each year, even after age 50, and we can have healthy and flourishing lives all the way into our 80s. All right, phenomenal book. If you haven't read it before, uh, get the book, read through it. It's a great uh, January book for 2021. All right, so the author outlines seven things that we can do so that we actually live lives that flourish and lives that thrive. So number one, he says that we, as, as human beings, we should be exercising six times a week, and we need to do this for the rest of our life. Now, you might be thinking, well, that's, that's a big ask. But here's what I want you to know. Look at people who exercised in their life, and as they've gotten older, do they look different from people who haven't? Well, they sure do. Uh, there's one person in particular I'm thinking about. Uh, he used to run during his lunch breaks at the bank. He used to run like five miles during his lunch break, and then he'd come back in. Uh, I met him. Uh, it's, it's actually a relative of Carol Tades. And he was in his, I think, mid-80s, and he, was, he, he looked great. He, his mind was there. He, he um, was, you know, able to get up and move, and he had all functionality. It was, it was amazing. He, he acted like um, somebody in their late 60s. Well, why? Because he exercised so much throughout his life. His body was busy repairing itself, building it back up. And so when he got into his mid-80s, he still was doing really well. 
Now, what the author says is that we should uh, not only exercise six days, but the second thing is we need to make four of those days uh, aerobic exercise. You know, get our heart up. And we need to do that for at least 45 minutes. Third thing that he says is we need to be lifting weights two of those days. And we need to do that for the rest of our life. Um, Fourth thing is he says spend less money than you make. Now, why would he say that? Well, the whole idea of the book is to flourish and thrive in life. And if you're 60 years old and you're in great health, but as you're looking toward retirement, you've got nothing except for lots of debt, you're not going to thrive in your 70s and 80s. You're going to be working. So what he says is spend less than you make and save so that you have money to retire on. Makes sense, right? I I love this one. Number five, quit eating crap. Simple, right? When you, when you eat a Twinkie, as you put it in your mouth, you're like, this is probably not a good idea. And, and you'd be correct. We put so much crud into our mouths, and we expect to feel good. Here's the thing. We know it's not good for us, so stop. Knock it off. Number six, care about other people and care about others in life. So care about people. It sounds so simple. It's like this guy sold two million books giving us knowledge that we already knew. If you want a a good life, if you want to thrive in life, care about other people. Well, didn't Jesus talk about that, right? And and then the last one is this. He says, connect with others and commit to serving others. Because he says, we as human beings, we need relationships. So, cultivate relationships, connect with other people. We need each other, and we need to be serving other people. Doesn't that sound biblical? I mean, right? Now, when I list all these things off, none of them probably stuck out to you like, oh, wow, I never would have thought of that. No, because we know these. We know if we want a life that is healthy and flourishing, we, we know we need to be doing these things. But here's what we do. We make excuses, don't we? I don't have enough time to exercise. I am so busy as I watch The Bachelor or I watch The Office six times through. I'm talking to my kids right now. All right. Um, I don't have time to do that. But here's the thing. You have time. You just need to find it. You need to get rid of things that don't really matter and start doing things that really do. Some people say, I can't pay off my debts because I, I just don't make enough. Well, here's the thing. If you can't pay off your debts because you don't make enough, start getting rid of things in your budget. Actually, first of all, make a budget. How many people here don't have a budget? I mean, think about this. If we want to start paying off our debts so we can put money away and save it, then we probably should start paying off our debts. We should probably take a look at where our money is going because our money in our bank account is sort of like um, it hemorrhages. If we don't think about it, we slide a card here, we slide a card here, slide a card here, and all our money is just gone before our next paycheck. So you do make enough, very likely. You just need to look at where that money is going, and that's hard. How about this one? I don't really eat that badly. I think I, I, think I eat pretty well. You know, my favorite, this is a, one of my favorite stories. A relative of mine said, you know, uh, I haven't really ate much today. All I had today was a bag of Skittles for lunch. Think about that. Skittles have practically no nutritional value whatsoever. Eating a bag of Skittles doesn't mean 
that like you haven't ate much. Eating a bag of Skittles means that you're eating incredibly unhealthy. And that right there, it, it ruins your body. After time and time again, if you get in the habit of doing that, what's going to happen? Well, you're going to balloon up and gain weight, and then you're going to feel miserable. How about this one? I'm too busy to help others. You know, I've heard people say that in, in other ways. We don't say it like that, but I'm too busy. Um, let somebody else do that because I, I just don't have time for it. In the Christian world that we live, we also make excuses. One that I hear a lot of times was, that's not my job, that's the preacher's job. Shouldn't the preacher be doing that? Isn't that why we pay him or her? Or how about this one? That's not my gift. My, my gift is not in that area, so I, I really can't help out there. Or how about this one? I've already served, let someone else do it. I've done my time. That's one of my favorite ones. I, I've done my time. Well, here's one thing. What if Jesus would have said, you know what? I served two years already in this ministry. I've done my time. Let somebody else do it. Jesus never does that. God never says, all right, I, I've done enough good. Now it's somebody else's turn. God doesn't say that. Why do we say that? How about this one? I'm too busy. I'm too tired. I'm too young. I'm too old to do that. Again, back to the main idea. If it is important to you, you will find a way. If it's not important to you, you will find an excuse. Jeremiah, he was ready for the excuse when God called him to be a prophet. Listen to Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 4 through 10. It says, The word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Alas, sovereign Lord, I said, I do not know how to speak. I am too young. But the Lord said to me, Do not say I am too young. You must go to everyone I send to you and say whatever I command. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord reached out his hand and touched my mouth and said to me, I have put my words in your mouth. See, today I appoint you over nations and kingdoms to uproot and tear down, to destroy and overthrow, to build up and to plant. Let's take a moment, we'll pray over this. Heavenly God, we ask that today you will be here with us, that your Holy Spirit will anoint this word, that you'll be with us, pastor, you'll be with us, open up our hearts and our mind to see the excuses that we make and help us to make a commitment to action, to follow you, Lord, to do what is right, to, to live lives that are healthy and flourish. We pray this in your name, amen. So what we're gonna do today is we're gonna talk about all the excuses that Jeremiah gives. Starting out with excuse number one, God, you're asking too much. God, you're asking too much. Now, this excuse is more inferred because on verse five it says, I have appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Let me talk about that. Being a prophet was a very difficult gig to have back then. See, Jeremiah's father and grandfather were priests. And being a priest back then was actually a pretty good job to have. It was predictable. You knew exactly what you were supposed to do. 
uh, you had the laws and the Torah and things like that. It, it, it was sort of like being a pastor. You, you knew that you're going to have to teach and you're going to have to uh, do stuff at the church or the temple back then. You knew what life looked like. Likewise, being a priest, you protected the status quo. You wanted things to kind of stay the same. And you know what? People like it when things stay the same, don't they? Also, as a priest, you had a steady supply of income. You know, it was mandated that the people give you their grain, at least 10%, and people would come with their sacrifices, and you were able to take a little bit off of that. You know, you had some income. You had something to eat. You were provided for now, let's look at the prophet. A prophet, you don't know what's next in life. It's totally unpredictable. If God gives you a word, if God puts a word on your heart, you must say it. A prophet disrupts the status quo. A d- prophet will go in somewhere and say, you know what? I know you've been doing this for years now. I know you'll love it, uh, but we're going to have to stop this. That doesn't work out so well, does it? A prophet oftentimes is given a message from God that invokes hatred. We don't like to hear prophetic words. And and finally, a prophet has really no source of income. You don't get um, tithes and offerings as a prophet. You don't get food given to you. There's really no great retirement plan or benefits. Think about it this way. Jesus was a prophet. Jesus offered a message of uh, change. Um, He he told people to repent. The kingdom of God is near. Uh, Did people like his message? No, they hated it. He challenged the status quo, and guess what happened? He was crucified. But with every excuse that Jeremiah gives, God also gives a promise. And the promise is this. God has made you for his calling. God had made Jeremiah for the calling that he put upon Jeremiah's heart. Listen to Jeremiah 1, verse 5. It says, I chose you before I formed you in the womb. I chose you before I formed you in the womb. I set you apart before you were born. See, Jeremiah was designed for this. He was created for this moment, for this time, for this purpose God knows Jeremiah's potential just like God knows your potential. God knows your limits. God has a plan for your life. In fact, God created you for this purpose. And so Jeremiah says, you know what, God, you're asking too much. Why can't I just be a priest like my father, my grandfather? It's a great gig. I'll still worship you. I'll still do exactly what you want me to do. But God says, no, I didn't create you to be a priest. I created you to be a prophet. And likewise, we say this to God all the time. Hey, hey God, um, you know, I, I just can't do this. It's just beyond me. You're asking too much for me. But God's like, you know what? I created you for this. And for you to say no goes against my created work. Are you saying that I did something wrong because you're not wanting to fulfill the calling that I put upon your life? God said, I made you for this. See, God designed you To fulfill God's purpose. So that's the first excuse. Excuse number two is this. I can't. Jeremiah basically says, I can't do it. I can't. Listen to this. Uh, Jeremiah 1, 6. But I protested, oh no, Lord, God, look, 
I don't even know how to speak since I'm only a youth. See, Jeremiah felt inadequate. He felt like he wasn't able to preach and teach. He wasn't able to speak well. Sounds kind of like Moses, doesn't it? Now, this is something that, that we feel a lot if you're somebody who's been called into preaching and teaching as a pastor, preacher, or whatever. Um, oftentimes we have these feelings like, God, did you really call me? Uh, there's all these other people who are far better at doing this than, than I am. In fact, when I was called to be a preacher, I had a relative of mine who was really close. She said something like this, have you ever thought of anything else, Tim? Wow, burn. Uh, my favorite professor that I had in seminary, uh, Dr. Elmer Collier, uh, he's also a United Methodist pastor as well as a professor. He, he was one of those people, um, he didn't really fit the bill for the preaching type. In fact, in high school, he rode his motorcycle through the hallways of the school. And when he went back to high school reunions, people actually laughed at him when he said, I'm a preacher now. God can do it. God can make you into the person that he calls you to be. And in my household, can't is a four-letter word. We don't use it. We don't use the word can't. It's a pet peeve of mine. I hate it when people say the word, I can't. Because God has a way to overcome. He can overcome your weakness. He can overcome your lack of knowledge. He can overcome your lack of skill or lack of experience. The truth is, and listen to this truth. You might want to write it down. The truth is that the people who are most aware of their own inadequacies are usually the people who are most dependent on God. Think about that. The people who know how weak, how pathetic, how, how much, how little they have to give, they are the people that are most used by God because they're most dependent. Reminds me of 2 Corinthians. It says, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in your weakness. The promise is, is that God can. See, Jeremiah says, I can't do it. I cannot do it, God. I don't, I'm, I'm too young for this. And we say the same thing, I, I just can't do it. I, I can't lose the weight. I can't start an exercise program. I can't make a budget. I can't do this, this, and this. But God says, you're right. You can't do it. You weren't expecting that, were you? You're right, you can't do it. But I can. See, God can do it. We can't do it on our own, but if God is with us, we can do it. God doesn't call the equipped. He equips the called. I'm sure you've all heard that before, but God doesn't call the equipped. God equips the called. And God rarely uses the most talented, the best speaker, the best looking person, although I'm up here. Just joking. Um, but God uses the most unlikely of people to do God's purposes. So if you don't feel like you can do it, what God is putting upon your heart, but there is a passion and there's a willingness, then surrender yourself to it. And God will enable you to be able to do it. Number three, the third excuse that Jeremiah gives, and I love this excuse because I've used this time and time again. God this isn't really a good time for me. It's not a good time for me. Uh, going back to, I'm only a youth. Now, when, when he says, I'm only a youth, um, 
look at this. Like he, he's basically saying, God, I don't have enough experience. Now, back then, a youth wouldn't necessarily mean a child. Uh, youth is anywhere from their teens all the way up to about 25. It, it means that you're a, a young man who is not yet married. Uh, scholars believe that Jeremiah was anywhere from 20 to 25. So, you know, when, when we look at Jeremiah, he, he's actually an adult now. He's not just a youth. He's an adult. And in fact, um, most people didn't live past age 32. The average age was 32 or so. And so for him to say, I'm too young for this, it's kind of a funny statement because he's actually fairly old in that culture. So why did Jeremiah say it? Well, it's because he felt inferior. He, he didn't feel like he had the experience. He felt intimidated. So he has the excuse, when I'm older, I'll do it. When, when I have more experience, God, when, when I've done this, this, and this, maybe then will be the right time. And, and listen to what God says, because this is great. Do not say I'm too young. Boom. Do not say I'm too young. You must go to everyone I send to you and say whatever I command. Do not be afraid, for I am with you, and I will rescue you. Um, fear is what was stopping Jeremiah. Fear. He didn't feel like he was able to do it because he feared that he was inadequate, fear, feared that he was inferior, feared that he wouldn't be able to do the job right. You know, we all make excuses like this. Um, how many times have you said, I'll start that tomorrow? Well, you know what? The best time to start is right now. Don't ease, to, don't ease into it. If you, if you feel like this is where God's calling you, if you, this is something you want to do in your life, go for it. Find somebody to hold you accountable. Uh, I, I don't say this very often, but it, like if you want, if, if you feel like you need to s- start running because that's what God has put on your heart, if you feel like that's where you need to go in your life right now to get hit, fit and healthy, go out and buy a treadmill. I know it sounds bad. Well, you know, I don't know how I'm going to afford Just go out and buy a treadmill. You have a stimulus check, most of us. Just go out and buy a treadmill. Get on it six times a week walk, run, whatever. Start it right now. Start eating healthy after this sermon. You know, for lunch, have something healthy instead of having crap. This afternoon, make a budget. If you want your finances in order, make a budget. Line out all your debts. Create a plan with you and your significant other or you and somebody else in your household uh, to tackle this or how about spiritual disciplines? You know, like, I, I've always felt like God wants me to read my Bible every single day. Or I've always felt like God wants me to pray or take time just to meditate or journal. Do it this afternoon. Don't wait. Do it. See, Jeremiah says, this isn't a good time for me. And we say the same thing. God, um, maybe later, this isn't going to be a good time for me. But God says, stop making excuses. I'm with you. Now, excuse number four is, is actually a fun one because we understand this. Anybody who's been to middle school, um, excuse number four is basically this. I'll look weird. I'll look weird. People won't like me. See, Jeremiah is called to give a message that nobody wants to hear. It's a message on judgment. And he will be misunderstood. He'll be persecuted. He'll be arrested. He'll be imprisoned. Um, it's very unpopular. Uh, Listen to Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 13. It says, 
God used the image of a boiling pot to communicate his coming wrath. His coming wrath. Again, the, Lord, uh, the word of the Lord came to me inquiring, what do you see? And I replied, I see a boiling pot and its lip tilted from the north to the south. So what does he see here? He sees the impending doom of Israel. The boiling pot is meant to be Babylon. And Babylon is on the verge of taking over Israel and destroying it. This is not a joyful message. It's it's not popular. See, Jeremiah's message is to uproot and tear down, to destroy and overthrow. I don't want to be the person who does that. But he also has another role, to build and to plant. This is vital. Because the people of Israel, they need somebody to call them out on their actions. They are uh, worshiping false gods. They, They are not following God in the way that they could. And God cannot bless them unless they repent from their old ways and start walking toward God. So Jeremiah's job is to rip them from their complacency, help them to see their sins and their evil so that they can stop this impending doom. How'd you like to be Jeremiah right now? It's not a task that anybody wants. Show of hands, how many of you like it when somebody tells you that you're wrong? I don't like it when somebody tells me I'm wrong. I feel cruddy about myself if somebody tells me I'm wrong, and then I take it out on people I love most. Right? That's what we do. That's humanity. We don't like to be told that we're wrong. But here's the promise. Jeremiah says, I'll look weird. Nobody will like me. It's not the popular thing. But God says, I will give you the strength to endure. Uh, In Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 18 through 19, it says, Today I am the one who has made you a fortified city, an iron pillar, and bronze walls against the whole land, against the kings of Judah, its officials, its priests, and the population. They will fight against you, but will never prevail against you, since I am with you to rescue you. Man, what what God is saying is, I will be with you. You're not going to be popular. No one's going to like you, but I will be with you. I will fortify you. I will make it so no one can stand against you. You will be solid and unshakable. And, and Jeremiah's excuses, well, I'll look weird. And God responds, yep, you sure will. Suck it up, buttercup. That's what it means to be set apart in this world. Being a Christian gives us the opportunity to look weird. You know, my family and I, we, we go to Culver's once a week. And what we do is we, we all sit at the table and we have people's day, well, we, we do our prayer. Um, we have different days that uh, our kids and I are assigned uh, days to prayer. And if it's your, your day to prayer, then you pray. We do that. You're going to look different from the world around you. You're going to look weird because you have values. Because you have standards. You know, when it comes to the sanctity of human life, you're going to look different than a lot of people around you. When it comes to human sexuality, you might look different than other people around you. When it comes to how you treat other people, you'll look different. And yes, you'll look weird, but you know what? God will give us the strength to endure. So Jeremiah has made all these excuses, and and the very last thing that we see God say is this. Basically, get going, Jeremiah. It's, It's your time. See, God was expecting immediate action. Uh, Verse 17, it says, Now get up, stand up, and tell everything I have commanded you. 
See, God called Jeremiah to action. He called him to move out among the people, called him to give an offensive message, called him to not be welcomed, to be despised, and people would be angry at him. But that's calling that God has given, and with all those callings, there's a promise that God will be with him, that God will strengthen him, that God will, will bless him if he does this. So my question for you is this. Has God called you to do something? Now, I'm not just talking the Christian things in your life. We'll get to that in a moment. But how about your marriage? Has God called you to act differently in your, in your marriage? Has God called you to maybe uh, do something for your spouse? Maybe it's a date night. Maybe it's bringing her flowers or, or something like that. Treating her in the way that she needs to be treated. Has, has God called you to do something within your single life. Uh, maybe in your single life, uh, God's called you to, to find ways to build relationships uh, with other people. Maybe God has called you to be single. What about with your children? Has God called you to be a certain kind of parent? Uh, a parent that reads to their kid. A parent that does Bible studies with them. A, a parent that, that maybe um, takes away their phone over uh, different times of the day so that they're not glued to it every single day. What about with your finances? Has God called you to be a good steward of your finances? To, to take a look at uh, what you spend your money on? To, to figure out, does it glorify God or am I glorifying myself? What about with your health? Has God called you to, to improve your health situation? Maybe God's calling you to eat better. Maybe God's calling you to exercise. Maybe God's calling you to uh, feed your mind with reading you know, there's so many different things that God can call us to uh, outside of even the spiritual realm. But my thing is, is this, if you flourish in those areas, your relationship with God can flourish as well. So it's holistic here. Likewise, there's spiritual disciplines. Has God called you to read your Bible every day? Has God called you to regularly attend church? Has God called you to, to serve in some capacity in the church, whether it's leading a small group, um, uh, being a, a teacher for children, uh, f serving meals, bringing food in, or, or whatever? Has God called you to serve in the world, whether it's going to Honduras or, or going to Nigeria or, or doing something outside of our community? Has God called you to do these things? And the main idea is this, if it's important to you, you will find a way. But if it's not important, you're going to make an excuse. You know, Jeremiah says, you're asking too much, God. This is too much for me. But God says, I made you for this. See, God designed us to fulfill his purpose. Jeremiah says, I can't. But God says, you're right, you can't. But I can God doesn't call the equipped. God equips the calls. Uh, Jeremiah says, this is not a good time for me. God says, stop making excuses. I'll be with you. Jeremiah says, I'll look weird. Nobody will like me. Yep, you sure will. Suck it up, buttercup, because that's what it means to be set apart. If it's important, you'll find a way. If it's important, you'll find a way. If not, you'll be making a whole lot of excuses. So as I close here, what I want you to do is this. I want you to just think in your mind for a few moments, what is it that God is calling me to do? And if you can, if you have a piece of paper, I want you to write that down. 
what is it that God is calling me to do? Okay? And now, right below that, I want you to do this. This is the fun part. What excuse have I been giving? What excuse have I been telling God? You're asking too much. I can't. It's not a good time. I'll look weird. Write that one down too. All right? And finally, what are you going to do about it? I want you to write that down too. And I want you to be specific on your action plan. I will read my Bible at 6 o'clock in the morning when I wake up. I will change into my exercise clothes immediately when I get home so that I will exercise that evening. I will create a shopping list, a grocery list of healthy foods that I will buy and make meals out of them. I will stop buying this junk and I will start doing this. Whatever it is, write down your action plan and also put a date on it. And I will start at this time, on this date. We have a lot of excuses that we can make. But God calls us to be set apart. God says, stop making excuses. The right time to start is right now. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for Jeremiah and the call that you placed upon him. And we know it was not an easy task, but he leaves a legacy, Lord. He leaves a legacy for those of us who, who follow him. And Lord, we remember his faithfulness, and we also want to be faithful as well. We want to follow you. We want to do what you have called us to do. So Lord, help us to see that call that you have put on our lives. Help us to see the excuses, and help us to be firm and in our commitment to move forward to follow that call. Lord, we thank you so much for your word and all the things that you have done to bless us. We pray this in your powerful name, the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.